Tale Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today is myself, your nerdy duty Georgie, with me here today, my own personal Zelda, my mom. Oh, I like that idea. Well, I mean, because like, right, right now, I, you know, it's, it's, as we know, I'm playing, I'm playing Zelda, and I am Link, and and I think it's the first time I've actually been a male character other than being Sonic or Mario. You know, that's kind of true. Again, I mean, like part of the misnomer of the Legend of Zelda is you think that you're playing Zelda the entire time, um, and you're really not. And then when we, well, I am a pretty princess, and, and absolutely, so, you know, that would have been my, my, my assumption, but mm-hmm. no. And there's and and it's interesting because for such a popular game, there is no option to personalize your link. Not yet. Not yet. So um, in Breath of the Wild, here you get different costumes that you can put on, and different sets of items here, um, and they have quite a wide range of different looks here for uh, Link at the end of the day. But some of them convey different powers at the end of the day as well. So you might get. Uh, cold weather gear you might get because uh, I, I I did see a frosty world do I go in the frosty world soon um, you can uh, I would not recommend it um, if you are not um, if you don't have either the right costumes or you don't have the right um, well because already tells me if you, you, when you swim you get cold and it, it uh, affects your uh... Your stamina thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, um, based on, you know, so again, part of the thing you want to do when you do that um, in Zelda here is that you want to get the right, uh, some of the, some foods will warm you up so you can be in the cold a little bit longer and not take damage at all. Some clothing will just make you warm so you don't have to worry about it. I already have some things I can put in a stew. It's told me so. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me see. I'm just trying to find a good example of it here, so... I've hijacked our topic for today. I'm sorry. No, we, no, no. We can no, go no. back to the. Uh, I, I am. Um, I am. So there are a couple different kind of costumes that you can unlock here over time. He and and I, I will say he's somewhat an effeminate looking guy. So okay, so that was the thing when it came to um, the. So again, several several years ago, when the trailer came out for Breath of the Wild, here I want to say this is circa 2004. 15, 2016 or so, they actually thought Link was a chick because she was wearing because he was wearing the blue tunic that he's most kind of well known for in Breath of the Wild at the end of the day, um, and that's his typical and that's this blue tunic sort of look here. Well, I don't have that. Yet. Not yet, you don't. Okay. But but he's typically again shown in kind of a more uh, green aesthetic, uh, which is kind of more of his natural sort of look at the end of the day. I'm very neutral right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, a lot of people thought that Zel- that Link would be um, a girl this time because he had a lot more um, effeminate or, um, as anime might term it, bishoujo type qualities at the end of the day. Bishoujo. Bishoujo being pretty. It is pretty. Yeah, so you have uh, bishoujo men, which are very pretty men. It's an, it's an entire genre. Um, actually, just recently there is a there was an anime. Sort, of, sort of sort of like uh, BTS. Yes. those are all very pretty men. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, again, a lot of bishoujo, but it, more in the sense of this very kind of classical sort of like, oh, he's pretty. Look how look how pretty he is. Not like this rugged, handsome sort of kind of look at the end of the day. It's yeah. 
So, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that as I move along in my my adventure, which, you know, I haven't gotten real far, but but I, I, I've killed poor Link a dozen times. It's okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, and I would not expect you not to kill Link at the end of the day here, in all honesty. This Accidentally is a, dropped him off a tower. Slap. He might have deserved it. Well, yeah. I, I ran too fast and ran off a cliff. So Mom has been playing the newest Zelda, the Breath of the Wild game. And, and, and playing is a very loose term here. <laughs> I am I am so slow. Um, and, and no, no. And again, I was not expecting you to make leaps and bounds of progress. I have to keep because... going back to there's a screen that tells you what the buttons do. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm on a switch light. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a, you can hop to a screen that tells you, like I'm in the middle of a battle, and I'm hopping to a screen that tells me how to, how to pull my shield or fire my arrow. I'm getting lot. better at it. You're getting it. better? No, I get But I have two, I have entirely too many weapons. Mm-hmm. Although I have offed the, the, the uh, woodsman axe, which I liked a lot. You'll find another one. I hope so. So very useful thing. So one of the so again one of the most key aspects of the newest Breath of the Wild here is that um, your weapons do not last. Sometimes they might last. You know, sometimes you might go through, you know, two different swords over the span of just a single fight. Really. Mm-hmm. I I've had that happen before. I'm picking up every arrow I find. Yes, you cannot. You cannot. Uh, I think there's an upper limit of arrows you can keep eventually, uh, much as the same way there's an upper limit of weapons you can keep. But eventually you get to the you get to a point um, in the game where I don't think you've uh, you've got to them here just yet. But these little guys that give you cocoa uh, seeds, um, which everyone thinks is actually poop. Uh, so don't eat them. No, you don't. You can't eat them. Um, but what you do because I, I, I keep getting tasty baked apples. Yeah. Um, so what there is there's this um, there's certain points of the game where there's this guy with that looks basically like this giant leaf with little maracas, and you. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's got maracas, literally. Um, you'll 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 post pictures, right? I will. I've not seen him yet. Um, well, so what he does at the end of the day is that he can. Um, expand your arsenal of weapons that you can hold. Okay. So either give you more shields, more... My shield is damaged. I need another shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get you more shields, more weapons, or more um, bow and arrow kind of slots at the end of the day. So you get... Because again, at a certain point here, you will get to in the game where you'll find... Where you'll realize that like, huh. Well, okay, I have... Every single weapon I need, I have all my weapon slots filled. I'm going to get rid of the one, the worn swords, you know, and get the soldier yeah. swords, you know, and switch them out um, and switch them out for other stuff here at the end of the day. Um, oh, and you haven't even gotten a chance to see Zelda here just yet either. I have not seen Zelda. Zelda's a lot different looking um, than other uh, versions of her. How come there's never been a movie of this? You know what? You know, this is one of those, like, age-old questions here at this point where nobody knows why there's not a movie for this already. You know? Because um, it would be the easiest thing in the world, really. The old man lied to me. Oh, well, how did the old man lie to you? I'm pissed at the old man. Because he told me if I bought him, brought him a treasure from the shrine, he would give me a paraglider, but then he changed his mind. Now I've got to bring him treasure from four shrines to get his paraglider. It's, it's, it's not fair. 
Okay, so once you so again, so once you get off the little tutorial area, he never appears ever again. Well, that's too bad because I actually I talked to him. I talked to whoever you see. Um, I talked to him and he gives me lots of information and he's very helpful. And you get screens that give you information in this in the area I'm in right now too. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you're in. So here's the thing. So there's a thing. And I figured out how to how to travel. It's a little like Star Wars. Oh yeah, you just teleport there. Are you not Star Wars? Like Star Trek. Mm -hmm. You teleport. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so in most video games, there's what uh, the first level that you're in is usually called a tutorial level. In a lot of cases, they don't outright tell you it's a tutorial level, but they kind of you, but they kind of get you set up to do. Um, the various steps that you would need to do during that entry sort of level here. Um, you know, so a lot of that might be the case of, if you go back to Super Mario Brothers, the very first one here, you know, the very classic kind of first screen where you get to the little Goomba that's coming towards you, you know, you have to hop over it or you have to stomp on it here. So you have to learn that you can jump, that you can jump over stuff or you can jump to hit stuff here. And in the process of jumping over him, you might get to the point where you realize, you know, it's like, oh, these blocks in front of me, above me, might have stuff in them. So you might, you know, hit the one that has a question mark on it that'll give you a mushroom in which you get bigger. So again, it's kind of teaching you the mechanics of the game without outright telling it to you. Now, some games will give you just full bore, you know, you know, dialogue that says, you know, like, all right, use the... A key to move to your left, move the D key to move to your right, use the W to move forward, but then use S to move backwards. It does not do that. No. Oh, but you can go to this. The one screen tells you what things, like you want to use your shield, this is what did. And and so there is a screen that sort of t will tell you, mm -hmm. um, but you have to hop to the screen. Um, it will at times guide you, you know, A to take. Or oh, oh, yeah. to so, activate, so well, it will it will do that. Yeah, and the, but in those cases, it's telling you that because um, you wouldn't know those arrows were there unless you had that take button. Otherwise, yeah, you you don't you don't you, necessarily you, you can't see them very easily. They're getting, it, yeah, because they're or, they're or on the on ground. The, they blend with other stuff, or at least on the switch light, you wouldn't see it very easily. Yeah, so that is an issue. But I, I think it's it's you know I think I told you I I ran too fast and and launched myself off a cliff and died. Um, I've died in various ways. Mm -hmm. um, it will and, happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're dead. Uh, I only, I, I sat there and I'm like, where I wanted was across this, this pond, lake, whatever, mm -hmm. river. And I'm like, I wonder if I can swim. And I just wander right in. I figure if I drowned, I drowned. And um, and and even completely burdened with shields and swords and all the, and axes and all those things on my back, um, I could swim. Mm -hmm. um, but then you have to watch how long you swim. It does warn you. you know, cold water will will affect your, your life levels, and you have to watch how long you swim. Because you have a stamina meter. Because you have a stamina meter, and so you have to watch the stamina meter and sort of gauge. Okay, I need to get out over here. I would have liked to have gone out over there, but I need to get out over here because I'm going to run out of. But slick, I can climb just about anything. Oh yeah, no, and so again, part of part of what you'll get throughout the game here is the the seeds that you'll get from the ground will actually uh, give you the ability to uh, improve your weapon allotments. Going to the shrines, however, will help you improve either 
get you more hearts or get you more um, stamina bar at the end of the day. So you can increase that here. Because there's certain well, points... Do, do the monks always die when you go to the shrine and they give you whatever? Yes. They've been waiting for you. They've been waiting for you. And they will they will move on to the next life. Makes me kind of sad. But keep in mind, you know how many shrines there are? How many? It's probably about a good 120 or so. Oh, God. <laughs> with various, with various levels of puzzles in them. Yes. Yeah, the puzzles are... Because you have to figure out how you how you get across things. Thank you for teaching me how to use the magnet because that was not intuitive for mm-hmm. me. Um, there's a lot. So so this game requires pretty decent motor skills, as 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 I'm sure do most. I mean, Mario Kart requires pretty decent motor mm-hmm. skills, um, but this thing requires that you that you be able to to do different things with your right and left hand at the same time mm-hmm. quite a bit. Well, it's Just as an overall comment. And again, it's one of those things where, um, do you remember playing the piano? Yes. Remember how much coordination that kind of takes at oh, a certain point? Well, and I played the violin. Yeah. And the violin is, is initially a difficult thing to coordinate because one finger, you know, it's, it's like patting your head and, and rubbing your tummy. Mm-hmm. The violin one finger and the same true with the guitar so you're doing very different one one motion is very usually very slow or slower and the other one can be very fast and they're very different mm-hmm. um so so you're right no oh, yeah i'm so, whining about nothing no it's not that you're not whining about nothing here again <laughs> um it, it's it, it gets to a point here where um and again i can i can point this out very easily with world of warcraft here where I know, you know, like, I, I can literally, like, just transcribe my own thoughts to my hands. And, like, I know when I'm doing something, it's like, oh, I'm going to be doing this here. And I, I just instinctively know where, okay, these were all the buttons are. I know how to, you know, I know how to move my character around perfectly. You know, it's like, oh, I'm in the right, wrong position. Okay, let me hit this button to run faster to get to the middle so I don't hit, hit, hit this one attack. Then turn that button off and then keep going. So you eventually get to a point here where... You you just get like a good body memory kind of developing on that one here uh, on those. Animal little... Crossing did not prepare me for this. No, and it, but again, Animal Crossing is a much different game um, that actually kind of got bore out a little bit from Zelda. Oh, do explain that one because it's Animal Crossing, your buttons, you're just picking things mm-hmm. up, you're you know stashing things in inventory, yeah. you're shoveling. But I mean, it's all really. Simple movement. You're not having to to really. There's, not, there's not a lot of complicated stuff that you're doing. Yeah, there's of... there's not combo movements. How's that? No, nope. Um, so part of the logic that came around with Animal Crossing was that um, Nintendo's kind of thought about this, you know, thought process between a Mario game and a Zelda game. A Mario game is more linear, direct path sort of. You go do X, Y, and Z. And it's more action oriented versus a Zelda game tends to be, you know, let let a person in on let a person on their own. There's no set linear path usually, but you have to think more about what you're doing, and you definitely have to um, take your time in some cases to figure it out. There's more puzzles because that was one thing you were really going to be surprised. You were initially surprised about that you would think this action game would have puzzles, and they yeah. very much do have. You know, some of them are very rudimentary. Other ones that in later shrines get very, very difficult. Like 
Um, well, okay, so so the first shrine is rudimentary, but you have to use that magnet to, to place bridge, like to take things and make bridges out and of make them. bridges out of them um, to get to get to the guy, and you've got to figure out that you can even do lift that. this one thing and go underneath it. Mm-hmm. How in the hell would I know that? A sense of trial and error, eventually. I yeah, mean, which is okay. So this has been for me a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. Climb trees, get apples, look look for mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's been a lot of, of of trial and error. A lot. It's like the first time I got attacked, I'm like, how do I pull the weapon? Um, I mean, like hitting all these buttons while this guy's killing me. Um, and it's and so it's been a lot of trial and error. Like the first time, I, like I fell off the tower twice before I mastered getting down the tower. Mm-hmm. So one of the tips I've learned is once you've gotten to some place sort of monumental, save, um, because however you get out of there is going to kill you, and um, and in unless you you do it right, so you want to at least not have to restart a billion times. Yeah. So, so, so saving is your friend. It's mm-hmm. like, like working on a Word document. Saving is your friend. Um, save. And, and, then, and then, like, when you're climbing things, really be careful with, with glancing right and left and down to know because you usually, every, almost every, every major climb I've had to do has had to be somewhat articulated in that I had to move to the right or move to the left because there was going to be a drop-off that was going to kill me Yeah. if I kept going straight down. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things are not straight up and down. I find myself, like, um, getting to the first shrine, there's a series of ruins, and I'm looking around the ruins for anything that I might be able to use. And, um, and there was, like, crapola. Sometimes, there are, sometimes it's like it. Sometimes you'll... Sometimes it wasted a lot of time, but it's a it's a large game of exploration. Keep in mind, one of the secret uh, chests that were in the game here didn't get didn't get um, opened until nearly five years after the game came out. Oh, really? So there was a ch- so um, later in the game. So you know how you have the magnet right now? Yeah. So you get some other abilities as well. So one of them lets you create uh, pillars of ice. Uh-huh. On water, so that way you can kind of traverse water in some cases. Um, another one kind of gives you this ability where, like, if you hit it enough times, it kind of kinetically leaps forward based off where you hit it at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a, and then there's a, some other abilities here as well, which kind of just lock something in place temporary for a time until you hit it. So all these different abilities kind of coalesce, and so what was happening with this chest was that it was literally falling. Um, in this void of water here that had no bottom to it, so the chest would just keep falling. So it keeps going deeper and deeper. Yeah, so there's, there's no there's no bottom to this to this pond to this water. At the end of the day, this chest just is just sinking down this water. So somebody eventually figured out how to not only get the chest up, but get it to a spot in which you could actually get to it for a second, and then get to be able to open it. And the found the thing they found in it was an opal. I got an opal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so and that's a, and that's a good point because um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I hadn't realized until I, I asked you a series of questions. It said, "Geez, I'm just I suck at this," and I asked you a series of questions, 
And I hadn't realized I could lift things out of the water with the magnet. Mm -hmm. So I can lift things out of the water with the magnet, which is pretty cool because there's chests in the water. So you need to kind of be looking. I lifted out a, a, a what is that, a column? A, it's kind of like a beam or something. Yeah. yeah. And is that going to be used for anything later? Who knows? It, it could be potentially used later. I mean, like one of the things you might be able to use those beam fours are to cross paths or... Um, there might be a puzzle that's, that shows like a triangle and maybe, you know, two of the beams are there, but this other beam is kind of just on its own somewhere else. So if you make the, if you put the beam down in the right spot, you might get a little secret or a chest that pops out. Um, a lot of what I've found in, in playing Breath of the Wild here is really, is just that like, once you get off that initial island, it kind of tells you, yeah, there are these divine beasts that you want to go in, um, rescue. It talks to you a fair amount. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, and it will talk to you quite a bit. Um, but what it does, what it tends to do really well at the end of the day, is just kind of leave you alone to figure it out. So there's a lot of cases where um, you'll eventually get the option to get a horse, and oh. you can tame a horse. And so now, whenever you want to ride Do I tame the horse by feeding it apples? Um, partly with apples, yes. You can even, and actually, if you want to call the horse, you have to get you have to find a blade of grass that you can use to make a whistle. I have whistled. Mm -hmm. I've made noises. Oh yeah. So yeah, there's there's a but with what's been a lot more interesting about this game is that there's not a lot of handholding. There's not a lot of linearity to this game, um, and it really does kind of force you to look around the world and and see what's there. And again, with the new abilities that you eventually um, get as you progress through the game, you get more access to more stuff at the end of the day. So again. You will get more stamina that lets you climb higher mountains and, and walls at the end of the day. You will get... Um, Tells you early on, you need to climb stuff and and get to high points to look. So that way you know... It tells you several times. Mm -hmm. So you know where stuff where stuff's at at the end of the day. Because again, a lot of the game is always... Um, so the major big kind of uh, towers that you see, the ones that are clearly constructed towers. Yeah. At the very top of that, uh, you'll get a upgrade to your map so what so the kind of the point of the tower here is to give you the kind of this huge vantage point to say like wow look at all this stuff everywhere hey what's that what's that smoke over there that might be a house let's go check out the house and you go from there so a lot of my um experiences with the game and again i spent like 80 plus hours before i ever actually went to one of the divine beasts at all and got my ass royally handed to me when i did oh good um, i have that to look forward to oh yeah but um, but again, playing it here, you roam around the world and you get to a point where you're just like, huh, I wonder where I go next. Oh, hey, cool, what's that over there? And you just keep going from there. Um, and so it's a very, you know, unlike a lot of other games where it kind of tells you, it's like, hey, we really should get, you know, we really need to get these three items to open up this thing. Well, for, we got the first fire one here, let's go get the earth one, and then let's go get the water up one here, or... Well, I'm collecting stuff to make stew. I have no idea how to start a fire. Um, eventually, you'll, in, there's eventually a thing that will help you start a fire. Um, bombs are, you know, so there's later stuff here where, like, you you might come up against a moblin camp. And one of the ways you kind of defeat the moblin camp is taking a uh, a bomb with an, merging a bomb with an arrow to make an explosive arrow. And then shooting one of their little... How do I merge a bomb with an arrow? They'll, they'll teach you. Oh, okay. Um, there's some arrows that are also just fire arrows in general. 
you know, that are just like, you know, just, you know, you basically. Just, I'm not there yet. Not yet. Not, <laughs> not there yet. That's okay. Um, but some barrels are explosive. And so if you hit the explosive barrels during the mobbling camp, it just explodes them all. So you don't even have to deal with it. Okay. So, so that's a good case. So, so I've come across a mobbling camp. Mm-hmm. Those are those red things with. With the pointy ears yeah. that kind of look like goblins. They do. They look like goblins. Yeah, but they call them moblins. I don't they're, know why. They're, they're not pretty. No. Um, so, and I, I've hit one, and there are lots of barrels there. I had no idea. I picked them up and dropped them. Nothing happened. Um, and and so I, I have no idea what they're for. So are those who are hitting with an arrow to explode? Some of them, uh, so some of the ones will. They're kind of like different colors, usually like a red or something in them, typically. Oh, okay. um, so, I mean, the idea here is that you see a moblin camp, there might be like, a half dozen different ways you can go do it. You might be able to kind of sneak into the camp and just like defeat them one by one without anybody noticing. Uh, you might just charge right in and go to them here. Or what you might do is you might get um, the magnet at the end of the day to get a big old boulder. And especially if you're at a high point and they're on a low point, you just kind of bring the rock over to them, let the rock kind of like just trample right through the camp and then come back in and just be like, ha Or you can snipe them with your own bow if you need to because again they may not recognize or see where you are they're just like somebody's shooting at us i wonder where it's coming from well and okay and talk, let's talk about things shooting at you because i i killed myself in, in you know three or four times in one sitting um trying to to figure out these um crab creatures almost well these turrets mm-hmm. okay so these these turrets like some of them or you'd walk up and you'll find an ancient screw, you'll find an ancient gear, you'll find an ancient something, um, and you collect them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of them, when you walk up to them, or even when they just sense that you're close by, will open up and start shooting at you, and you get very little warning time, and you have to go duck behind something or else they'd, they'd like set you on fire. So, um, one of the abilities you eventually learn... I didn't realize I could shoot them, so so I should try to shoot them with my arrow. Well, actually, one of the ways you can defeat them here is um, by guarding yourself with your shield. You can actually do a shield bash eventually. And one of the ideas here is that when they shoot their beam at you, you, you know, you bash the beam and it actually redirects it right back to them, and that kills them. Well, I'm going to have... And what do I get if I kill them? You might find ancient screws as well, or they might find other items in there. I mean, keep in mind that the um, some of the items that you collect right now, like the food items, you will make the food, but other items like the ancient screws, you can trade in uh, with other people for other items here at the end of the day. So, I mean, should I should I then go backwards and try to kill a couple of those and see what I can collect? Um, you can, but I mean, like eventually you'll get to the point where you where you're collecting too much and you're not progressing any further. Okay. Uh, it's always good to kind of, you know, just as you travel move, along. Move forward and then know that it's back there if I need mm-hmm. to. Because you can, as it, you can sort of apparate. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, from one place to another um, for, for the shrines. Mm-hmm. You can travel and you can choose where you're going. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get, and, once you get to a shrine, you're able to kind of like teleport back to it if you need to. Because um, they are kind of nice little marker points as well. They're a quick way to get around. I figured that out. Oh, yeah. So. There, those are a lot of fun here. Um, I I do admit that um, when they made Legend of Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild, that we're kind of expecting... Uh, they hadn't come out with the Switch Lite just yet. 
So I think if it was on a bigger screen, it might be a little bit more easier to digest potentially. Well, I, I think um, actually the graphics on the Switch Lite are pretty good. Oh yeah. And and so um, I just have to be cognizant to wander over to anything that looks slightly different and see if it's something I can take. And I learned pretty quickly: the minute you kill somebody, go 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 chase after their little corpse. Um, because they frequently leave behind some sort of some sort of weapon, oh, arrows yeah. or bows or oh yeah, they're gonna leave shields behind. or yeah. Especially in this game here, they definitely would would go up to them. In most games, they would typically drop either like hearts, rupees, uh, hearts which are your life gauge at the end of the day, rupees which are basic currency, um, or they might drop like bombs, arrows, or maybe something you might need in that dungeon in some cases. Yeah, so so um, do do chase after your corpse and grab whatever you can, which for a neophyte like me isn't isn't a um, first thought. That, that's fair. You know, I, I don't I don't know. Not having played a lot of other games. Yeah. yeah. No, I, and again, I think that's a a fair account at the end of the day. Here, I do think that there are. Um, cases where you know it would not be um, either the most obvious thing to do, or even the thing that you would think like, "Oh, can't you know? Could you do that?" Well, and you've got to be careful because there might be somebody else. I mean, because they're they're frequently not alone. No, no. So, so, so you have to if you're going to do if you're going to grab something, you're going to grab it quick or kill the next one and go back. Yeah, or a lot of times just go and kill everybody around the area and then kind of just loot the corpses or as they say here um for everything that's of value in between them you know so once everything's kind of down you can kind of smash all the boxes and, and kind of go from there how funny because um it reminds me of of, Hen of shakespeare's henry v in which they talk about uh, being on a battlefield and people running around cutting fingers for rings yeah oh no i mean i'm um, do that very frequently in World of Warcraft here where I, I will purposely wait till everything is dead in the immediate area before I start, um, you know, looting looting uh, at the end of the day and collecting everything that would, would have been of value. Yeah. So, um, if only just because, again, it's uh, far easier to, you know, you could loot and do stuff at the same time. And I'm actually playing another game right now. I'm playing Fallout 4. Um, and very rarely you can literally take everything off the person even their clothing really so well i guess if you, if they had a nice i mean i, I guess it's not unlike there are, are american soldiers who came back with nazi helmets yeah as souvenirs well i mean in, in in fallout the idea here is that you're um, a scavenger at the end of the day and so you you wear whatever you can get at the end of the day and often people are trying to kill you for the stuff you have at the same time so you know, if somebody's got a better looking jacket than you do, you're like, oh, well, my jacket now. Um, or in some cases. Oh, nice attitude. Well, he's the one who shot at me first. And he, you know, how dare he shoot at my, shoot at this nice, you know, nice young gentleman in this blue vault suit here, you know. Especially the one with a shotgun that does all sorts of different things. Um, so I, so I, have an, I have an overriding question, um, it, it, which is just more towards, towards these types of games. To begin with, okay. Um, do most of them allow you to to um, select your gender and your appearance? It 
does differ from game to game here. So um, a lot of games in which are a lot more open at the end of the day here, Breath of the Wild, I think um, a lot of games which don't have like a dedicated protagonist in some cases or don't or don't have necessarily a lot more op- or have a lot more openness to them will often give you more choices when it comes to your gender at the end of the day. Um, versus, not, I mean, it's, it's kind of fun every once in a while to, to um, you know, take on a different persona. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, that, and that's, that's part of the fun of these types of games as a whole. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I, it just, uh, it was just a, it has both a benefit and, and a detraction. And, you know, the benefit being you are in this game really quickly, aside from all the title crap. But, but uh, because you don't have to select clothing, you don't have to select skin color, hair, eye color, any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, who you are, what you are, there's no thought process there. You are a link. Yes. And you look like this. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's none of that sort of thing. Um, there's no, no character selection. How's that? And, um, and all, and that's an advantage. Um, but if you're going to invest yourself in a game, you're going to play a long time. I wonder how many people feel like they want the character to represent them. And I think that's a, I think that's a very valid point at the end of the day. Again, I'm, I know in the case of World of Warcraft, you know, I purposely chose a character, um, uh, that, you know, kind of looks like me and kind of acts like me, but I've made a lot of other characters, which don't look anything like me. Like, I'm not a tall, pointy-eared elf, you know, or very... You're uh, tall. I'm tall, but not pointy-eared yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there are com- cosmetic surgeries for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they are. Um, well, have you looking like Orlando Bloom in no time? Oh, man, wouldn't that be nice? Um, you know, just to have the abs of Orlando Bloom. Well, I just, I just think he made an amazing-looking elf. I think he did too. And he's and keep in mind he's gotten to play that elf like five different times in movies. Well, you know, it he 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 personifies it so well. Mm-hmm. It is a, him. He's been a pirate. He's been a pirate captain. He's been an elf. He's been a lot of cool things. Orlando. Yep. Um, and and he's married to Katy Perry, so you know, hey. I, again, when you when you really think about who's married to some people, here you're just like kind of aghast by it here as well. I mean, like. Colin Jost just finished marrying Scarlett Johansson, and you're just like, where, how, why? Well, isn't isn't one of the uh, the uh, um, all the brothers the the uh, the three brothers uh, Jonas Brothers mm-hmm. married to Sensa Stark? Yep. Uh, Sophie Sophie Turner. And famously, uh, Brock Lesnar, who is this you know giant you know person of literal muscle i mean like he he and literally like his his nick his his nickname is the beast he's just he's just pure muscle and energy he's he's the kind of person you see at like an, a ufc fight you're just like oh please pray for the other guy <laughs> please 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 let him survive i mean like he, this is the kind of guy where if you like you put on a pair of boxing gloves you're just like yeah, that's the final boss right there. No, no doubt about it. That's the final guy there. Yeah. Um, he's married. You know. So again, no. Brock Lesnar is a professional wrestler. Here. Yeah. Yeah. He's married to to um, a person who was in the WWF as well, named Sable, who is at least ten years his elder. 
I'm one of my closest friends is married to a man who's ten years old, uh, older than she is, or and, younger than she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, it's a, you know, like again, it's it's kind of interesting, you know. Well, and Stacy Keeler mm-hmm. dated dated George Clooney for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget one of the characters from Full House. Um, married a married a hockey player that learned to speak English by watching Full House. Oh, that's cute. I know, right? A hockey player's married to a uh, Carrie Underwood, who's pretty good looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, no, again. So, um, definitely yep. interesting couples there. Yeah. Um, but to go back to the character select screen here, I think a lot of the cases when it comes to um, being able to choose you and craft your character a little bit more. Um, it also kind of comes back to like there's two different types of movies at the end of the day as well. Um, there's movies where the characters move the plot, and there's other movies where the plot moves through the characters. So it's the it's the difference between whether you're supposed to be empathetic or, uh, or or along for the ride. Yeah, and, and okay. I think I think some of it's related to uh, are you along for the ride and what's happening here, which I think is very true of like. Mario, Link, you know, there's a clear story intended to be told. Well, in Sonic, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I um, it, it, it was, you, you know, as I was, is uh, the the first, the first night I played, the, I, I thought, okay, so this is so different from some other other things I've played. I loved being able to create my own panda. I'm a lovely female panda in uh, World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. and um, and and I enjoyed that process and getting to choose who I was. Um, and, 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 um, you know, my, my panda is very much reflective of me, although I could have chosen something else that, that, that sincerely wasn't. But, um, the same is true when I've played Dungeons and Dragons. They, um, my, my character is, is somebody you wanted to be at the end of the day. Yeah. And, um, and and so it it struck me as I was I thought okay this is great you enter the game really quickly mm-hmm. you don't have there's not a decision process to go through true and you don't get to choose your clothes you get the raggedy old shirt that's in one one uh, one one color for now yeah yeah and and it it's you you find it because you're like basically in undies. Um, and uh, so you get that, and then you walk over to another treasure chest, and you get a, a raggedy old, you know, used pair of pants. And then I have upgraded. I'm now in a nicer pair of pants. I'm still in the raggedy shirt. Um, and uh, and so a lot of that that decision making and what you look like and and that sort of thing is taken care of for you. And there's and in in terms of an ease of entry, you are. And getting into the game quickly, you are into that game quickly. Mm-hmm. I killed myself within 15 minutes. So I ran too fast and leaped off of a cliff. I couldn't... I, I, you couldn't tell it was a cliff right away. Couldn't tell it was a cliff. I, I figured out now that there's like pavement stones kind of things that sort of take you to... like if The you, roads kind of like... If you, you look like that, yeah. So ruins of roads maybe um, that sort of leads you to where you're supposed to go so you don't go throwing yourself on a off a cliff on a on a regular basis mm-hmm. um and i've learned to look around and look up and down are cliffs your arch enemies i've only done it twice so <laughs> so so i think i'm okay um 
you know, but, but I mean, like once I got to the first set of ruins and I climbed on top of something and then I thought I was going to just hop down to a lower level and I didn't look down. Uh-huh. And so one of the, and I threw myself off and splat. So um, I've, I've learned to, as, as it is climbing down the first tower, I, I um, killed myself two times, um, climbing down the first tower. And, and How many the, times did you kill yourself? Um, I, I've got a finger symbol. I've got to make a little piece sign here. Um, and and the and the trick to climbing down the tower is you know like okay, so I ran out of stamina. That's why there are those balconies. Yes. So as I'm going down the tower, I have to look right, look left, find a balcony, mm-hmm. know where I'm going, so which means so of... I can I, so I have to articulate around the side of the tower. And, and climb down to the balcony so I can rest and get my stamina back before I start climbing again. That, you know, that isn't, to me, mm-hmm. intuitive. No. So, so I had to go, okay, so how could I do this differently? Oh, and figure it out. Yeah, and, and now mind you as well, like a lot of people that would be coming into this game would have you know, either months, weeks, years of previous experience, either playing these games or watching other people having played these games before. But remember, so, this is nerd tutorial. I know, I know. This is a tutorial on nerdy things at the end of the day. And, um, and, and it's not, and, and again, for a lot of people, it would not be necessarily intuitive. And I don't, you know, and again, there's a lot of people that have gotten into games and not known what they're doing and eventually come out of it, you know, weeks, months later, you know, Again, I mean, like when you got to Animal Crossing here, again, you remember your first trial and tribulations of Animal Crossing was just figuring out, you know, how to bury stuff. Oh, yeah. And now you, now again, now if you go to your island here, your island is nicely decked out. Everything's very cute and pretty and everything. You got like cool villagers and everything there too, you know. So a lot I've of got that... a Starbucks. I've got a museum store. Yeah. I've got a cool set of waterfalls with a winged victory on top of them. Um, I've got another cool set of waterfalls. I like waterfalls mm-hmm. um, with with Stonehenge on top. Yeah. Um, uh, I've dug my path to to where Red Red Parks mm-hmm. um, his ship. I've 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 now got a nice little path. Multicolored, right. yeah, multicolored flower garden um, going towards there with the with the rose. You know, they may, let you make the rose sofa. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of chrysanthemum chairs. So you can get, the, you get to red easier, right? Yeah. Yeah, but again. Plus, it's a really pretty sunset from there. Ooh, nice. It's <laughs> just so stupid. But I haven't played for a couple of weeks, so I know that when I go back in, I have cockroaches I have to stamp on. But again, like if you, but if I had told you you'd be able to do that on day one, you would have looked at me and given me that kind of look. It's like, no. Yeah. No, but again, I mean. And you can go through dreams. Mm-hmm. And go visit other people's islands and get ideas. Yes. And I belong to a Facebook group that is, so to tell you how stupid Animal Crossing is, um, I collected certain brand of, of Guatemalan handbags. Um, they're artisan made and, and um, they support they support women's groups in, in Guatemala. And the leather's just wonderful. So um, so that particular so they're they're buy sell trades bsts on facebook for for those several of them um for that particular brand and um as a sub subgroup of one of those there is a um an animal crossing group for the people who collect these handbags and they trade um uh the arts 
art screens that you can use to, to paint things or to color things. Um, the patterns of the ha on the handbags. So, uh. so that you can you know get cushions and things that match your handbag um, in your Animal Crossing game. And it's, it, it's totally stupid. But you can go see Celeste any night you want in that group because somebody's got her. Mm -hmm. And they'll post and, and let you come come and grab stars. I've been thinking of my island here of dedicating a plot of the island to make it look like one of my Amazon warehouses. You could do I, that. I bet I could and it would be kind of funny at the end of the day. Somebody's got their, their work office there. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen schools. Again, at one point here I was trying to build uh, my hotel. Yeah. The night when I worked at my hotel. It was well, we used to send you uh, uh, the for it. imperial furniture, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. And again, um, the, again, the You can make a manga wall. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. An actual library and everything. Yeah, I had a... Oh, I have an outdoor library. And I have I have one of the little boxes to, to share books. Mm -hmm. I Yes, I have a library on my island, too. Yeah. With a nice little sitting area. Oh, yeah, no. And again, some people have spent a lot of time making making those islands look really, really cool at the end of the day. Simple screens can be painted with anything. Mm-hmm. And they, can, they, they make a lot of great items there, too. Yeah. Um, so, so, so back to, back to, back, back to, to Zelda, back to Zelda, which is a completely different experience because mm -hmm. you can't customize anything. Not whereas, yet. whereas Not Animal yet. Crossing, you can customize everything. Not yet, necessarily. Again, the, the very tutorial levels here, you don't get a lot of options is what you can, what you can do later on. But again, as you progress the game, you do get more outfit pieces that you can mix and match to get different benefits out of. Again, there is a... Um, cold weather suit. There is a um, uh, what should we call it here? Um, uh, there, there are different. Uh, there's a stealthy sort of suit. There's a suit that'll fight back for you. Really? Yeah, I'm trying to. I need that. Um, so there's a bunch of different kind of suits that you can get at the end of the day that will kind of allow Link to get um, to do either new stuff or get to do places here. Um, I mean, at one point here, you're even able to dress up Link um, as a, um, I'm not sure. Sort I'm, of a mage or? Uh, not just necessarily a mage. Um, so there's a group of people in the world called Gerudos. Um, so the Gerudo people are the are where Ganon is, is said to have uh, descended from. But they're also like this tribe of uh, Amazon... Amazon-y like people here, I think, at the end of the day. Um, okay, you realize how far I've come because because Mage popped into my mind without thinking, and and that that in, um, before we started doing this podcast, I would have never never come up with. So these are kind of what the Gerudo people look like at the end of the day. And well, so, that's not bad. And so Link's got his own version that he can kind of put on to mingle with the crowd so you can blend in yes the grudo people are the are the, are the evil side right they're no 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 they're actually they actually are they're they're neutral they're neither good nor bads okay you know like they they initially are hostile to you because they think you're an outsider but they eventually you are an outsider yeah but they eventually become um friendly with you because you know you're like oh you're trying to defeat the people. You're trying to defeat the guy that we don't like at all. Okay. We're, we're cool with you. Which is Gragnet. No. Uh, Gragnet. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. Your cliffs. 
Because we don't like cliffs. <laughs> we don't like cliffs. Gragnat comes from, from uh, Space Galaxy, which is uh, um, one of my favorite movies. I love Space I love. Oh, it's the perfect spoof. Um, so one of the things, yeah, so Breath of the Wild is a <laughs> lot of fun. It's, it, I think... I think if you're playing with somebody who, who, if you're watching it with somebody who does know kind of what they're doing in some cases, it might be a lot more fun. Um, what's actually probably be far more interesting is just to watch you play it and just watch your reactions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that would make an interesting uh, stream at the end of the day. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Well, because I'm sure my face, okay, mind you. Um, your facial reactions alone would be interesting. Yeah. Um, your your father no longer responds when I'm, I'm doing Duolingo, um, which I do on my, my phone, which is a, a language app. I'm learning Spanish and um, and everything because I cuss like a sailor at the thing because you like you're on this itty bitty screen trying to you know write text in a, in a foreign language and it'll it'll ding you for spelling errors and just fuck it because <laughs> I just say it because I'm trying to speak the language. I don't really care whether or not I can spell it correctly. So, so yes, as I do, do Zelda, I, I similarly, um, in, in moments of frustration, um, will, will just kind express of, myself. You had a pretty good husband there. It sounds like. Yeah, no, you, 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 yeah. 43 years. Um, uh, yeah. So, so, um, uh, yes, I, I, um, he's patient. Yeah. It's, it's like falling off a cliff. Well, crap. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I mean, it's a game where I think the, if you had a lot more time to play it, you know, I, I think, I think this is, it, it, it would be a fun game to eventually kind of go through it. And again, um, well, Breath of the Wild is a lot more open-ended. There's a lot more of the other games which are less open-ended where they're a lot more linear. They tell you. Oh, you should go over here, and it puts a marker on your map and tells you where to go. Yeah. So, so and and to give you an example of that, um, so so I made a deal with my with my old man that if I brought him the um, whatever I could find in this in this shrine, because he says, "Oh, there's a shrine over there. I'll make you a deal. You can't get across the valley without a, a, a hang glider, a paraglider, um, but I'll make you a deal." That shrine over there looks like it probably has some treasure in it. If you bring me back whatever treasure you find, uh, I'll give you my hang glider. And then you go, you go back to him, and and the son of a bitch lied. So you know now he wants treasure. <laughs> I'm just saying, and and um, you know like be wary of who you make bargains with. But you don't have any other choice. He's now told you you have to go to four shrines and get four. You have to plunder four shrines and bring him back the treasure. It seems like like a lot of treasure for a, a paraglider, but you know, hey. So. Um, but that paraglider is really useful later on. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so, so I've got three other shrines to go to, but I get to pick which one I do first. Mm-hmm. I'm going to climb back up the tower. I'm going to teleport myself there. Yeah. But um, um, go back up the tower and um, and uh, you know figure out which direction I want to go and go to the next shrine. It's not telling me. It's not linear in that it's it's shrine A, shrine B, shrine C. It's you've got three, pick one. Mm-hmm. It's multi choice. It's multi choice. So, so from that end, it's kind of fun. Yeah, and other and mind you, sort of write your own ending. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, there's uh, Breath of the Wild is is 
also a little bit more loose with its narrative as well. Now there is a, now there is a story that's that's in the game, and you get it kind of through some cut. You get it through some uh, flashback cutscenes at the end of the day as well. Yeah, and there've been a couple of those. Um, but in most traditional Zelda games, you know, you literally are once you beat this dungeon, you get a whole new cutscene that comes up, and while you're in the dungeon, you might get a cutscene that comes up, and while you're just trying to get to the dungeon, you might get a cutscene that comes up. So. Um, you know, there's a lot more narrative-heavy games in Zelda than Breath of the Wild, necessarily. Oh, yeah, because I've, I've, I've had two flashbacks. Mm-hmm. That um, sort of tell me, sort of like... So Link doesn't know, <clears throat> at this point in time, who he is, or that... or that or What he's meant to really do, I think. Yeah, he kind of... This, the hundred years has come up a couple of times, mm-hmm. so I think he probably has a pretty good idea... That, that, he needs to, that he needs to go do something that he's been resting for a hundred years. He needs to go, like, get back out there. I think it actually at one point it kind of told him that. Yeah. The Sheikah Slate talks to him. Mm-hmm. Well, it was originally Zelda's Sheikah Slate. Oh, was it? Yes. I hadn't realized. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty slick. Well, now my, It's a tablet. Mm-hmm. It's basically a tablet at the end of the day. But what's interesting about that entire runic language that's there mm-hmm. is that that's actually, like, translatable. Oh, is it Sanskrit? Uh, no, I think it's actually just English letters changed around. Oh. Which is not, which again is not an uncommon, not uncommon at the end of the day. Um, the glyphs on your on your robe. Uh, when I made. Yep. So the Star Wars robe, the Abresh uh, language there is also um, is also literally uh, English, just as different characters at the end of the day. I was gonna, I was gonna ask because I know it said it said something because yeah. I know they were in a specific order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that was intentional as well. So, um, if you were able to read it quickly enough or pause the screen to be able to take a screenshot of it, you can eventually kind of link it up with um, other letters here at the end of the day. So again, it's not like I I think the Japanese people know this kind of intuitively that. 26 English character English characters are a lot easier than um, the myriad of Japanese characters that they have, and especially if you put them together. I mean, well, and stylistically, it um, because because we both took a Japanese language class. Mm-hmm. Stylistically, there's so many ways. I mean, there's so many ways in cursive to write a, an English letter, but there are even more ways um, to, to to do it in Japanese. These, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that in Japanese, you know, you have different ways of saying. Four and eight. Yep. You know, she versus Ko. Yep. You know, and you're just like, why are there two different versions of saying this one fr- this one number here at the end of the day? Yeah. You know, I do like the way they do their. I do. I do like the way they do their numbers for like multiples of ten there afterwards. I think that's yeah. a lot easier. It's a lot easier. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, yeah, I get it. So I think when they and, and again, I think that when they made the. Language here because they've done it before in other versions here, where in other games where they've taken the English alphabet and then made words out of it at the end of the day. Because again, if you're a Japanese, you know, if you're if you're in Japan here, it's not immediate what it's trying to say. Um, you know, so it seems a lot more foreign to you. Versus, I think in the West, if we just figure out what it says at the end of the day, we're just like, oh, okay, we got it. What the letters are, I think. Would would they would would knowing what it says be a value in moving you through the game? 
Sometimes yes, a lot of the times no. I mean, because again, it's just interesting. It's just more like an interesting sort of thing at the end of the day. It's kind of like a sure, sure, fun... sure. sort of like the Beatles weaving in Paul is dead. Yeah, or okay. it's a fun little Easter egg that you that you know that's there because again, I don't unless you spent you know a lot of time to be able to recognize the characters immediately. You know, like they're not you know. I I would not imagine that a video that game creators would do that intentionally here. Or if they did that intentionally here, a lot of times what they would do is they would have a character literally go up to the runes and be like, it says this. So it would it would prompt you for it. Yeah, but what but, but what you might do, and I've seen some games do this here, is that the character purposely misinterprets what it says at the end of the day. But if you're able to actually read it, you know, you can you kinda get a little hint is like, wait, that person's lying. Okay, so so let me talk about another one of the symbols that I'm seeing repeatedly um, and, and seeing in, sh- in shrines and, and they're, they're lit. And that's these constellations. I believe they are zodiacs, but I could be wrong. I'm recogni- I think I recognize several of them as, as zodiacs. So these constellations that appear on the walls lit. There's the all-seeing eye. Yep, so that's the Sheikah eye. That's the Sheikah eye. Um, very, very um, reminiscent of the eye in a hamsa. Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of is a, is a hamsa. Um, and and um, it's something I would actually associate with like a an evil eye to protect you from bad spirits. That's what it reminds me of, makes me think of. Um, so that's one of the symbols you see repeatedly. So I think in a lot of cases here, um, what you're kind of just seeing in the walls are part of the, just the Sheikah technology. Um, I don't recall necessarily if they are a language or there's some sort of... They look like, I mean, they, the way they're displayed, they're lit, um, they actually, to me, look like constellations. So yeah, and I think they are. So again, you're, so again, I have. I'm, we're going to go ahead and put a picture um, that I've found here as well, online here, because again, I can see what you're seeing here as well, because that they are, they do look like constellations at the end of the day, because they're lined up like that, right? Yeah, and yes, yeah, they're very much constellation looking. So I think they are actually constellations here too, potentially. Yeah, I mean, to me, they look like they look like constellations, and I wondered if they had. I mean, does anything happen with those? I don't think so. Um, again, keep in mind, I've actually never beaten Breath of the Wild because I've just been enjoying just running around. Well, and it. I could see, and I, I absolutely. So, so in all of in all of my frustration, because I'm I'm a neophyte in learning, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. Oh yeah. So so. Um, and I think you and I, I, I which, which, uh, after you showed me how to use the magnet, you know, you were watching me lift things and smash them, which is great fun, oh, yeah. um, and and lift the lift the treasure from the from the lake and and stuff. Um, uh, and so I'm absolutely, I absolutely get why you could get lost in just wandering. It's first of all visually. Very it's, pretty. It's very pretty. Mm-hmm. And things move and grass moves. It's so detailed. Oh yeah, no again. I mean I, this is this is one of the most detailed sort of Zelda worlds that we've seen in a long time. And again, obviously, um, one of the big Even of, on a small screen. And even on a small screen. 
Um, but again, one of the things I really like about this game is that it's also, remember, was a launch title for the Switch as well. And um, they've made it purposely very graphically intense at the end of the day so that you could appreciate more of, uh, you know, this new hardware at the end of the day. In reality, the Switch is only, you know, about as powerful as maybe a PS3 really at the end of the day here. Um, but it really does show, you know, the power of graphics that you can get at the end of the day from machines like this. Um, and well, because I, I remember watching Game Boys and then um, you had, um, what was that Sonic on? That was a... It was a Game Gear. Game Gear, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember sort of the evolution of that. And, and, and the Switch reminds me a lot of the Game Gear. Oh, yeah. Size-wise and... Orientation in a lot of cases yeah, here just, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so uh, you know, it... it uh, the, gra- the graphics in it, having watched the evolution of that, the graphics are really pretty... Um, Something you can very easily just get lost in just enjoying the nature of it. Apparently I do have to understand the constellations for an upcoming thing called Keo Rug. Upcoming Shrine. Oh, okay. Faithful Stars Trial Solution. Oh, so there might be pictograms or something then. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it is. And and I guess that's the, that's the other thing is so far, the, the challenges that I've had have been very different. Mm-hmm. And, but, and yeah, again, especially, again, when you start, when you get off that tutorial island here, there's a lot more um, puzzles that you, that may not even present themselves as looking like puzzles initially. You know, you might come across like, a bunch of stone circles at the end of the day, and one of the circles is missing a stone at it, you know? And then you've got to go look for the stone. Look for the stone and put it put it in its place here at the end of the day. So again, I mean, there again, what's really interesting about this game is that the creators really, there was literally teams that were all designed around puzzles. One team was only about making the shrine puzzles. Other teams were all about just making the environmental puzzles and the environment in, in and of itself to navigate here. Well, yeah, because you've got to figure out what you can swim across, what's too far to swim across. What you can climb up and down. What you can make a bridge over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And never mind, you know, and that's even before you get to the And there's other a lot of trial, things. for me, probably mm-hmm. not for somebody else, there's a lot of trial and error in this. No, and, and mind you, like, I've died plenty of times myself in this game as well. So. Um, How do you really think oh, yeah. that makes me feel good? No, absolutely. No offense. No, I'm... You, you kill these characters plenty of times. Ask me how many times I've died in World of Warcraft. I've died millions of times easily. And sometimes often to my own stupidity here. And if we go back to like the very early days of World of Warcraft here, like, you know, you, there is a literal town that's only like at level 15 that will kill you if you pull more than one guy at once. And they will routinely... Uh, it's a, so... Um, Back when there was the very first BlizzCon, when they were introducing um, the Burning Crusade, which was the first expansion to World of Warcraft here. Mm-hmm. Um, they had That's a, pa- a long time ago. A very long time ago, yeah. Um, they had a panel led by one of the uh, senior um, uh, enemies creator at the end of the day that went through and showed um, the most, the people, people uh, the creatures that have died, that people have died to the most. Uh-huh. Um, Oh, 
That that would be an interesting panel. Well, not well. Well, no. This, this was part of the panel here was about how they create uh, boss encounters, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the first things they showed was they showed some stats on what were the things that what were the things that people died to the most on any given day, you know. So one one of the things here was that you know people have died to Anixia, you know, you know this many times within a single day. People have died this many times to. Uh, various bosses in Molten Core and Nefarian's Lair. And one of the items on there was this level 15 um, Defias Mage that's in this little area that's like only like level 14, like 15, 16, 17 level area. Mm-hmm. And like everyone kind of saw that and it was like, excuse me, what is that? It's like, oh yeah, these kill more Alliance players than you might ever think. If you think Alliance is easy mode, wait till you get to this area in in Westfall. Um, and everyone, and everybody who played the Alliance, who's played humans and been on that side, would be like, yep, those things will kill you. Um, cause they, they just, so, so, so dying is part of it. Oh yeah. You know, di- dying happens a lot and nothing, you know, and what's really nice about video games here is that death often gives you the opportunity to learn from your mistakes. So you don't repeat them or, um, let you at least be able to say, okay, I failed. I'm going to go ahead and try again. Well, okay, with so... Min, with minimal sort of, like, you know, chicanery. Okay, so so this goes back to my earlier my earlier observation, mm-hmm. getting down the tower. Okay, so I started down the tower, and I ran out of endurance, and I'm like, well, that sucks. I fell to my death. And um, and and so then I'm, I'm, I wake myself back up, and I look down the wall, and I'm like, balconies. That's why there are balconies. That makes sense. Yes. So then you got to start down the tower again, and then and then you're you know that you have to go right or left to get yourself to a balcony. But that was in, entirely trial and error. Having failed the first time, got to do this differently. Mm-hmm. Didn't occur to me right off that I wouldn't have enough stamina to get down the tower. And you don't figure out you're going to be short until you realize it. Fuck, do I make it? Oh yeah. Um, and and that's an excellent example of. Okay, so you learn from your mistakes and you look for another way to do it. Um, the same thing was true for me with the the uh, the the little towers that shoot at you. The shoot at you, yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> um, and and I'm like, okay, so I can't even get close enough to it to attack it. But now you're telling me I can. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and my my thing is, you know, kind of like Monty Python, run away, run away. Um, and and all and 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 I'm ducking behind a um, a wall. So so then I'm like I'm trying to figure I I like trying 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 to figure out how I get past them. Um, do I hop from like wall to wall? And kind of figure it out that way. How quickly can they shoot at me? Um, if I found out if you crouch, you're a harder target to hit. Mm-hmm. Figure that out. You figure out you can use your shield, but now have a very badly damaged shield. Um, but it's been all trial and error. Okay, that worked. I got farther. Yeah. Um, and and that's back to once you get to a certain place. So, Save. Um, saving is your friend. Um, and and that sort of thing. But it has been a lot of sort of okay. Let me let me try to think through how I could do this differently. Mm-hmm. What else could I try? Why haven't I tried? And it's an interesting sort of notion here as well, because again, 
by kind of having this ability to kind of go through this trial and error, how do you do stuff here, you know, try different ways, it does kind of impart on you almost, not necessarily life lessons, but ways to look at stuff in your own life in a lot of cases here, whether that's um, figuring out how you, you know, obviously you get down the tower here, but also he's like, okay, I need to do this, this, and this in order to be able to get to the place I'm going to, you know, or, you know, I, I know when I go through the grocery stores here, I have a very optimized route that I want to go to when I go to the grocery store because I know exactly where everything is and I know exactly what I want to get and I want to make sure that the last thing I get are my cold stuff so that way they don't, you know... Thaw, up, thaw the, in the thing. Precisely, yeah. Thaw in the yeah. cart. Yeah, so I know exactly, you know, or I also know that when I go to get them here, like, okay, I'm going to get them first, but I know I'm only going to get this, this, and this so that way they're not, you know, so I can make sure that when I have everything in my cart, it's nice and... Tetrisy almost, you know, everything stacked yeah. nicely. Everything works. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think what I what I found what I found uh, myself aware of in this particular game is is I think you know as as a, as parents you look at at video games as something time wasteful and um, uh, of not having a lot of benefit value. Yeah, um, and and so a couple things. One of them coming from a conversation with somebody, a coworker this week. But the first one was as I was sitting here working through the process, especially with the tower. That's when I really first became acutely aware that that this is a learning process and it's trial and error. Well, what could I do differently? And, and I came up with an appreciation that um, games like this do have value in that they teach critical thinking mm-hmm. and and strategy. Both of which are actually of, of a lot of value in as a life skill. Oh, yeah. So as a life skill, it's actually not a bad thing. Um, the other thing, that, and, and this not necessarily true of, of Breath of the Wild, because I'm assuming this is not a multiplayer game. This is a single-player game. No, primarily single-player, yes. Yeah. Um, we, have, we have what we call backseat gamers. Oh. Which are people that just kind of sit behind you. It's like, no, 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 go do that, go do that, go do that. It's like being... Oh. A, it's a lot like being a backseat driver in a car as well, or being on... And, and equally unappreciated, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, or being on The Price is Right, and everyone's yelling at you, like, no, it's this price, it's this price, and you're just like... Uh, yeah, shut up. Okay, so so, um, I had an interesting conversation with a co-worker uh, who, was, who was talking about... Um, she has two boys, 11 and 13, and um, she was talking about her boys play Fortnite. Mm-hmm. And Fortnite has become all to them, which is something I hear from your father, who's a seventh grade teacher as well. Yes, it is. It is and a thing that I do not appreciate at the end of the day. And your brother plays. Yeah, my brother and one my of nieces. Your, yeah, and your nieces. Um, and uh, and she was you know, explaining that they have to have the latest skin and everything. And one of the things she was saying is it's become their social world. It's it's where during COVID during the pandemic they interacted with their friends, mm-hmm. and it became almost a social thing to be able to play with others. The other point she made, which I thought was interesting, was she was having a conversation with the 13-year-old because she caught him playing at 2 o'clock in the morning when he was supposed to be asleep during a school night. And he said, see, look at all these other other people that are on. And she, she had to explain to him, and it hadn't really occurred to him, yeah, that person might be in Japan. That person might be in France. Just because you see people on doesn't mean they're down the street. 
and in the same time zone. They might be someplace else where it's a completely different hour of the day. I'm quite, you know, she's, she's trying to explain to him, I'm quite sure that, that your friends mm-hmm. that you know right now are not on. And, um, and all. So she was trying to make the, the, the point to him, and, and his response was, yes, but this gives me a chance to interact with people from all over the globe. And she's like, no, it doesn't fly. You're grounded. Um, but but um, it was, an, I tend to see um, these kinds of games as very isolating. And there's even, there's a book called um, um, Bullying, Bullying on Your Own or Bullying by Yourself um, that was written in the late 90s and, and updated in um, re- fairly recently um, that makes the, makes the case in part that we don't do social things anymore like we used to. You don't have bullying teams, which used to be a big thing. Bullying um, teams? Bullying teams. Oh, I bull- would, bullying teams? Bullying teams. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I know bullying I think it's teams. bullying on your own, um, it, the book. But um, it, there are things that used to allow us to get to know people um, who had other points of view and created situations in which you would just naturally speak with people who had other points of view that allowed you to know that people whose views were different than yours um, were, not ab- were not adversaries. We're still good people. Which is something I think we've lost of late. Well, I, I think to, you know, I, and, and mind you, like, I wasn't around when this was a this was really a term, but the water cooler. Okay, so so the water cooler is we are just now back in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, just this last week and a half, and and the only reason why we're back is because we have new we changed. Uh, uh, systems for part of our processing, and if we're not all there, we it, it, the conversion just wasn't going to work. Yeah. So we've all been in, um, and and by by we, I just really mean um, property management and accounting, um, who work closely together and are both using the system. Um, it's it's sort of forced that, but um, you don't realize how much happens around the water cooler and really for us it's around the coffee machine but you know same same difference no but but again i mean like i I think there's a lot of people in which again you know you would congregate in kind of almost a central area often again that was where you could get water or where you got coffee from because you know people would just kind of go back and forth from there there was a place in the in the office where everyone kind of corrugated around as well which was in kind of the central area here which was just right near my desk as well so everyone got to kind of see the nerdy you know nerdy you know tutor over here just kind of like doing his work and just kind of like trying not to interject you know when he heard something heard something weird okay but but a perfect example because um there are people who make judgments about nerds Mm -hmm. i of course don't because i've got plenty of them in different forms Mm -hmm. um amongst my children lila's probably not real nerdy not intensively, no. Yeah. But the other three of you. Oh, yes. Are very much so. Oh, yes. Your husband's nerdy. And my uncle, he teaches math. Come on. He teaches chess. He teaches chess. Yeah. No. So, so very heavily left brain here. Um, but um, uh, people make assumptions about nerds. This is part of what the podcast is about. People mm-hmm. make assumptions about nerds that are kind of a little bit dehumanizing and, um, and, and a little bit judgmental. And yet, 
people that you came in contact with because you were in a central location that was a source of, of uh, conversation. Mm -hmm. People you came in contact with, you know, had the ability to say, oh no, this guy's a nerd, but he's so cool. And, um, and that gives you a different perspective. Well, you know, I, I, I often just go straight back to, um, I, and again, this was always kind of an intent of the podcast, was always to kind of to bridge, A, partly bridge this gap between what people think are really nerdy and what and how to not only communicate with those people, but how to relate to those people that, you know, a person who, you know, the very typical thing on Sundays where people go to talk, you know, wear their favorite football jerseys mm -hmm. of their favorite players. Guess what they're doing? They're cosplaying. <laughs> they're cosplaying. Never considered that. They're cosplaying at the end of the day here. They're cosplaying as their favorite player yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. You see these people who can just, you know, like, and again, you, you'll see, you'll hear people that just rattle off these stats about like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, the... The 89 Raiders, you know, and they did this, this, and this. Oh man, yeah, and he did this, this, that. You know, it's like those are not those are not unlike conversations nerds have at the end of the day too. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, did you see what happened on the newest episode of Loki? Yeah, man, if they they do this, this, and this, and this could happen over here, and this is a possibility over here. You know, like you know, that's not f too far removed from people who talk about like, yeah, man, like. We're going to go, you know, if they're able to get a first-round draft and get a really good quarterback here this year, like, they could go all the way to the Super Bowl again this year, man. Like, they, you know, there's a really great kid out of Kentucky, you know, like, and that's, not, again, I even go back to the people who do, who do, who spend a lot of time preparing and doing fantasy football at the end of the day, because guess what you're doing? Yeah. You're kind of doing Dungeons and Dragons for your own sake at the end of the day. It's just you don't get to roll. And, and roll dice, you yeah. Don't get to roll dice Somebody else you. rolling the dice for you. Yeah, but you are, you know, you know, there's a lot of nerdiness in just knowing those stats of these players, so you know who to pick at the end of the day, and figuring out like, oh, hey, well, if he's going to go this so way, so it's, it's it's not a matter of whether or not you're a nerd; it's a matter of what flavor. It's a, it's a lot a lot of flavors. I mean, even if you go back to the Japanese here, the Japanese word otaku at the end of the day does not necessarily mean, um, you know that you're into Japanese animation or you're into that anime culture at the end of the day. And an otaku could be, you know, otaku could just mean, it just really means somebody obsessed with something. So you could be a military otaku. You could be a gun otaku. You could be, you know, a car otaku. You could be, you know, in some cases here, and there's one guy, and a couple people there, which, again, would make sense in Japan. They are trained otakus. You know, like these are people, you know, in Japan, that's that thing here at the end of the day. And again, when, it, you know, we primarily talk about what are very kind of classically known as nerdy topics here at the end of the day. Because, again, nobody's going to go into a podcast when they hear the term of, you know, hey, it's a nerd tutorial, and we're going to talk about baseball. Yeah. You know, that's not typically what you consider nerdy. And, again, I think that it's... But um, you're right. It's not It's not really any different. And, again, that's, and that's the thing. It's not really any different. It's just a level of understanding of what it is. And, again... There and, and I think, unfortunately, Zelda kind of makes a good point of this here at the end is that some nerdy cultures and some nerdy topics here are really, really dense and hard to get into. You know? Well, okay, so I so mean, if if you look at just the barrier to entry, just for example, if you want to play Zelda here at the end, you have to own a video game console, which might cost you two hundred to three hundred dollars at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You got to go get the game as well, which is 
you know, probably anywhere from 50 to 60 bucks. Again, this is all assuming you buy it brand new and not secondhand. And then from GameStop, there... GameStop, baby. Maybe from yeah, GameStop at the end of the day here. And then you've got to spend, you know, X amount of hours in it just to be able to get somewhere. And you may not get that far at the end of the day to be able to talk about it yeah. with somebody else potentially. Versus I think, you know... You look at baseball, which has had a very kind of, you know, classic sort of thing here at the end of the day. It's often something you probably did in, in you know, elementary school, middle school as a as a sport when you did PE, you know, like... You kind of know it, something about it. Yeah, like everyone knows, like, oh, yeah, it's three strikes, you know, there's balls, strikes, you know, three outs. What a foul is. Yeah, you know, hey, here's where all the bases are, you know, the term for us, you know, running the bases, you know, you know is a colloquialism for us here in America. Yeah. But it's something that would make sense to us because we've grown we're, up with we're it. We're getting here. to first base. Mm-hmm. Getting to second base. Um, yeah. No. And 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 really, when I was a when I was a kid, the World Series was everything. Mm-hmm. And um, and kids walked around school during the World Series, and and you know, faculty kind of kind of allowed it with transistor radios to try to figure out what was going on because you had a lot of day games and and you had a lot more day games back then, and because TV wasn't so much of the revenue. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, guys were listening. I'm being sexist here, but it was mostly guys. Um, we were listening to the game all day. And it was a big thing. Um, so in terms of gamers, I, I think um, there's also a stigma put on gamers, per se. Mm-hmm. And, and yet you have um, so many of these games, like Zelda's existed for how long? I mean, it's been around 80s. 90s? Again, late 86 is when it came out in Japan. If you really think about it here, it's nearly, you know, it's nearly 35 years old at this point here now. You so, you, so you think about that and you think of other, if you if you were to think about board games that last a long time, time of course you have Monopoly. Monopoly, sorry. But, but you, have, you have other things um, that, that uh, were extremely popular. Mm-hmm. That um, there used to be, you know, trivia, trivial, pers- you know, trivial pursuit, mm-hmm. and and that was so hot, and it's disappeared. You know, like you don't hear anything about that. I think it's changed. It's changed. Well, because um, I, I think there are there have been various versions of trivial pursuit at the right. day, which have well, been you like, have to modernize it every every yeah. couple of years. Yeah, or, or there have been more like genre specific trivial pursuits. Yeah, you know, in, trivial pursuits for Star Wars. Trivial, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's stuff like that now where actually, um, and there's actually a whole games based off a of Trivial Pursuit here that people have custom made. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it one day when we get a huge amount of people in a room, but, you know, we got to talk about Jackbox games at some point, because Jackbox games are awesome. What are Jackbox games? So Jackbox is a company that makes these um, uh, social games at the end of the day where... You're playing against like a group. exploding kittens. Not necessarily. No, it's all actually done through your phone and through a TV. Or these the the thing where you do the head the thing on your head. No. no. So uh, so the great so a great example here they have is a game called Quiplash, um, and so you get anywhere from four to eight players, and each one of those players will be given a pro will be given I think like three to four it will be given three to four questions at the end of the day. And based off those questions, they have to enter a prompt. So, you might have, uh, you know, what's a great name? You know, what's a, what's the name of the gym in Game of Thrones? You know, um, and so you have to come up with. What your, is the name of the gym in Game of Thrones? There, there is none. 
So, but you have to come up with it here at the end of the day. I'm like, so, I'm like, would that be where where uh, Aya learns to sword play? Well, well, again, you have to come up with like a like a gym name based off of Game of Thrones, you know, and some guy came. Oh, up with, oh, oh, got so it. You, okay. Yes, you you have to come up with the answers of your own. You don't. The answers don't exist here. Like you know. You know, this person would be great to hit with a pie in the face, and you name a person at the end of the day. Um, or they give you different kind of, or you you basically, you're given in time to put in a prompt, and you put in that prompt. And then you go head-to-head with somebody else who also had that same question. And the other players can, you know, you know basically decide which one had the better answer. So a little bit like Cards Against Humanity. Kind of like Cards Against, well, in this case, Cards Against Humanity it's the judge that makes the final determination here mm-hmm. uh, based off everyone else's decision versus right. two people go head to head and then everyone else makes the decision who did who won better but then there's also an audience audience aspect as well so you could have hundreds of people also in audience that are also going to judge which answer is better so the people in the room might like answer a but everyone in the audience really prefers answer b and you get more points based off of how the audience reacts Got it. You know, and it's a lot of fun, especially if you um, if you know the people that are doing it. In a lot of cases, um, if you watch pop, if you watch uh, certain people that are in streams, or you have favorite people that you like to watch online, watching them play this is actually a lot of fun. So we're talking about Switch. Um, it's not available on Switch. It's mostly available on PC. But they've had a lot of other games as well. Um, every about year, year and a half or so, they come out with what they call the, their party pack which usually has updates to some stuff here. There's another one called uh, Breaking the Internet, in which you take other people's comments and you twist them around to to be something else. Okay. So, but it's, and it's all meant in light fun. There's another game called, uh, I think, Fibbage, which basically is um, you have to tell, you know, you everyone gets to tell... Uh, so it might say a prompt here at the end of the day, and you have to know your friends really well, your friends and your family when you do yeah. it. So it might be able to say like, "Hey, who was your, you know, you know, what did you want to be when you grow up?" And somebody might, you know, they'll put in whatever their answer is, but everyone else gets to put in other answers, and then everyone gets to kind of like go through those questions here at the end of the day, um, especially the audience, and kind of decide, you know, like, "Ooh, which one is the right answer at the end of the day?" I wanted to be Carol Burnett. Um, but I did well and in other cases here it might also be you know which one is the lie at the end of the day you know you might have two truths and a lie two truths and a lie or maybe one lie and one truth here you know so again like they're they're kind of fun party games which are intended to um, A either get to know each other a little bit better or just to have like some silly fun again my favorite crew from Loading Ready Run has done the Jackbox games for whole streams in some cases. And again, they can last anywhere from half an hour to like an hour and a half in some cases. Uh, but they're a lot of fun. So that, that sounds like a whole episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, and so, um, you know, with and, and coming, coming back to Zelda, that is the one I think disadvantage is I don't have anybody to learn off of who's playing with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very solitary. It is. Um. That that said, it, it teaches a lot of critical thinking. I'm, I'm enjoying sort of ferreting things out mm-hmm. and figuring out. It is extremely high on on needing um, to me um, motor motor skills. 
Yes. It's, there are a lot of games, some later games here will require quite a bit of motor skills. Um, but my initial point was, it's a classic. It has lasted 30 some odd years. Oh yeah, 35 plus years now at this point here. And they're actually coming out with a sequel here to Breath of the Wild. Really? Oh yeah. It's coming out here in 2022. Breath of the Tamed? Breath of the Wild 2 is what is the tentative oh, okay. title for it okay. right okay. now. Just um, trying try to think of how you... Oh. But there are other Zelda games here as well, oddly enough. Um, well, no, there's a bunch, aren't there? Well, so well again, so you have the original main core timeline Zelda games. Mm-hmm. But you actually don't have a lot of spin-offs at all, unfortunately. Um, one of the spin-offs that does exist here, which is mixed popularity... Um, is a game called Hyrule Warriors, which is based off of Dynasty Warriors, which is this very long-running Japanese, uh, very long-running game by, I think it's Tecmo that does this. Um, And I actually have it here in my notes here real quickly. Yeah, so Hyrule Warriors... um, by Tecmo, or Tecco, Tecmo, yes, so. Um, in Hyrule Warriors, you basically are giving like this large, giant battlefield, and you play as kind of a general uh, that's also kind of a fighter at the end of the day, and you just wipe out mobs and mobs and mobs of like Mookie heroes, of, of bad guys that really can't do a whole lot of damage to you at the end of the day. Um, but kind of the intent of the game is really to play these classic Chinese and Japanese uh, heroes of lore that are kind of also kind of just like ratcheted up to like high levels, you know? So like a guy who's like, you know, oh, hey, yeah, this guy was a really great guy with a spear. Why is he carrying two spears now? You know, one guy is like, you know, oh, yeah, this guy is great with swords. So it's sort of fixed. Yeah, so it it basically just kind of like ratchets up kind of the... um, you know, the myth of these characters and kind of just makes them a little bit more bombastic. Well, I mean, I will say so, and it's, I will say so far, mm-hmm. um, because I could never play Mortal Kombat or something like that. I, I'm not going to do the blood and guts thing. That's fair. And and so far, I mean, you're battling awful goblins that look nothing like like human beings, mm-hmm. which makes them better to kill. Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot appreciate more... Uh, appreciate that. A dissonance to them. Yeah. Um. So what was interesting is that they licensed uh, Legend of Zelda to be made as a Dynasty Warriors game, and so you can play as uh, Link, Zelda, and a couple of the other classic characters, and just beating up those mooks, skeletons, and other baddies in like. A... Oh, and you can choose your character. Oh yeah, that one you can choose your character. So you have okay. so you have a couple different options, and each but. Um, now again, what's interesting about that one is that each character plays a little differently. So Link is a far more, like, defensive, sort of, like, short-range person, but Zelda is actually uh, more magic-based, and so her attacks are a lot longer-reaching range. Um, there's other characters which carry, like, a really big, giant, heavy club. It's like, it's like choosing your, your Mario carrier, character. Yeah, so again, like, they have different, um, you know, pros and cons at the end of the day. Like, one person has a really big sword, which... Kills people instantly, you know, right away when it hits, but it's a slow weapon. So, like, before you swing, you kind of got to, So, you're prone. uh, Yeah, so you're kind of prone, or you have the ear. Somebody can interrupt you before you hit, but when you do hit, ooh, man, you do some damage. Um, 
that one's kind of interesting um, if, if for a distraction here, but it's a lot of... Uh, I, I don't tend to enjoy it because it's a lot of doing the exact same thing over and over. Yeah, it's yeah, great yeah. for like an afternoon um, or just to have fun with, play, with your friends, but I can't see myself doing the exact same thing over and over and over again because I, if I wanted to do that, I'd go play World of Warcraft. Well, I mean, I, and, and in this one so far, I like that the puzzles are different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to see, in Breath of the Wild, you'll see a lot more puzzles here as well. Um, but I'd also be remiss if I didn't talk about the, the, the Zelda games that were not made by Nintendo as well. Oh. Okay. Is, is that hijacking? Not quite. The, the, did they license it? They actually, they actually were given the license by Nintendo. So, okay. So to talk about this story here is to go back to the PlayStation. Okay. From Sony here. Sony is, you know, you have Sony to thank for these weird Zelda games, which um, are atrocious. I, and I don't mean that in the sense of, like, they're horrible to play because they're just really hard. No, I mean they're, they're horrible games because they were not made by people who knew how to make video games. Um, Why would you even try to tinker with something that already had a reputation? Because... Because there's money in it. Mostly because there was money in it. So, um, if you go back to 1989, this is just about a year or so out before they release the Super Nintendo. And Nintendo um, had partnered with Sony to make for their for their sound chip that was in their game within the Super Nintendo, um, which was a very much a very chance meeting in general that they ever got a chance to be in with with Sony in an elevator and the guy who, who was in Sony. You know, Sony and Nintendo were in the same building, oddly enough. And it just so happened to be that it's a chance meeting that this executive from Sony was talking to this guy from Nintendo. He was like, hey, you guys are coming out with a new console. Have you guys figured out a sound chip for you? And it was like, you know, well, we're leaning in this way. Well, maybe Sony could help you. And that started a partnership with Sony and Nintendo, where, again, the, Nintendo, the Super Nintendo has a Sony chip in it, which is basically the you know, masterful music that comes from, you know, the, the Super Nintendo here. Like, I I am listening right now to the Mega Man X soundtrack because it has this really kind of great rock and roll but 8-bit music at it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds amazing. And this is such beautifully well-made music considering that it came out in 1993 and it's all, like, bips and boops, you know. But it sounds yeah. like I'm listening to, like, a rock concert. You know, especially as a person with, like, you know, those masterful guitar solos. Really? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no. It sounds really cool. I'll, 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 link, um, I'll, link, one of the, the sound, I'll link one of the tracks here in, in the podcast here for us. But one of the things Sony also agreed to work with Nintendo on was an add-on for their Super Nintendo as well. So if you go back to the early 90s here, um, you know, this was a time in which CDs were becoming a big deal, which were holding a lot more data in them. You could get a lot more stuff on them. And the Super Nintendo was built with an expansion port at the bottom with the intention of eventually adding onto it over time. Because, again, the, the thought here was, you know, people may not want to, you know, people are already going to spend $200 on a game system here, you know, especially if they already have the system. Maybe they would be more likely if they just spent another $150 for an add-on to it, you know, that would make people far more likely to want to get the add-on and not have to translate to an entirely new system. system at the yeah. end of the day. Um, and so, 
go back to um, a game, you know, a uh, CES 2000, you know, 1991 here, and the day before, and the day before they were going to, Sony was going to announce with with Nintendo that they were making the Nintendo PlayStation, the Super Nintendo add-on PlayStation, which was going to be the CD add-on for the Super Nintendo. Uh huh. Nintendo, just... Nintendo reached out to Philips and decided to go with Philips CD technology instead the day beforehand. That's that's really... Really shitty of them. Yeah. So, But it, it actually really came back to bite Nintendo in the ass at the end of the day. Because... Car- karma's a bitch. Oh, very much so. Because Sony... Exa- you know, Sony... You know, Sony... The head of Sony at the day was so upset... Um, and the guy who helped get the chipset at the end of the day for the PlayStation, yeah, uh, was the same guy who was working with you know directly with Nintendo on the CD add-on. You know the you know he went you know that executive who was working with Nintendo went into a meeting with the Sony with the chairman of of Sony at the end of the day, fully ready to be fired at the end of the day. Had his resignation yeah. letter and everything ready. That you know. That you know, the president at the time was Sony here, and looked at the guy and said, "Well, I guess we're going into the video game business." And that's how they came up with the PlayStation, and it got released in 1995. And since then, you know, there has been this giant war with Nintendo versus Sony at the end of the day over market supremacy. With unfortunately Nintendo losing a fair amount of that here too. Oh yeah, no, the PS PS and PS two and the PS two is the best selling home console of all time. How many PSs are there? Is it stop? It, there's a PS three. So there's PS3 currently a, P, a PSS PS five right now. Just got wow. released here this last Christmas. But again, the PS one is this you know cherished and loved sort of console. The PlayStation two came out at the right time in uh, I want to say nineteen ninety. In 2001, it came out at the right time because, again, um, in Japan, it was also a DVD player. Yeah. And so, um, and especially here in the States, again, you could spend $300 on a DVD player or you could spend $300 on a DVD player and a video game machine. Yeah. And a lot of people chose the video game machine as well because, again, you could also play video games on it, you know. And, again, to this day, the, the PlayStation 2 is you know is noted as being the best home con- best sold home console of all time. The Game Boy is still considered the best handheld, uh, best selling handheld of all time, but PlayStation Two is the best console of all time. Um, well, what ended up happening with Nintendo and uh, Philips here at the end of the day? Well. Philip, you know, what ended up happening was that they continued working on this add-on for the Super Nintendo. However, when they saw Sega release the Sega CD and see and kind of saw how poorly the launch of that went and how poorly the integration of that went, yeah, by 1993 here, you know, Nintendo basically went and said, you know, we're going to cancel our deal here for a CD add-on. We're not we're not going to we're not going to work with CDs. We would prefer to deal with cartridges. They just they're just so much better here. Which is why the Nintendo 64 was also still a cartridge-based system versus uh, PlayStation, which was a you know had the, the CD movies, system. Yeah. Um, but out of that uh, canceled contract here at the end of the day, 
Phil, you know, basically Sony ha or Nintendo had to, N Nintendo basically offered Philips here. was like, hey, like we're going to cancel our contract with you guys at the end of the day for the CD add-on. And we're not going to work with you anymore. But as a consolation, we'll give you some of our licenses that you can make games out of if you want to for your... Well, what, what Philips had at the end was a, a CD system called the CDI. So the CDI was kind of meant to be this home console where you could watch movies and videos from, but also eventually use it to do um, other interactive stuff like, um, you know, use, you know, they had a, uh, an uh, encyclopedia that they had planned for the CDI. Um, and they had controllers, oddly enough, so you could navigate through it. CDI was not that popular at the end of the day. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah. It, again, it came out at a time in which um, if you were going to, you know, it came out at the time as well when we were when you had the option to put CDs into your computer. You know, so which, which would you rather which would you rather use? Would you rather use this clunky left up and down arrow to navigate through an encyclopedia or would you rather use a mouse? Yeah. You know. Um, it never really, you know, took off well at the end of the day. There's other uh, 3D add-ons like the three, or there's other uh, CD-based uh, items here like the Jaguar and um, uh, the 3DO, which, you know, all did atrocious at the end of the day as well in the market because um, they weren't named Sony or Nintendo. Yeah. Or even Sega. Sega's own next-generation next console, the Saturn, um, also faded really, really poorly in the market, mostly because they didn't advertise it and didn't talk about it a lot. Um, but of the of the licenses here, uh, Philips got their hands on both Mario and Zelda, and they made horrible games. These games are so bad that they're unplayable because they're just not fun. Plus, they're just like not doable. But I'm going to show you this animation that was in the Zelda games, and I want you and I want you to look at it and not cringe at all. So I'm I'm only gonna I don't want to play the audio because I also just don't want to um, uh, get this podcast taken off the air for yeah, copyright yeah. purposes. Yeah. Um, but these are full cutscenes in between certain elements of the game. They are just oh, this is like watching watching a poorly done Saturday morning cartoon. Oh no 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 no! This is even worse than so. This is, you know, this is like the very very earliest days of flash animation. But so this yeah. was done by. A, my understanding is that, the animation here was out was outsourced to a, Russian animation studio, which just did not know when to stop the characters from moving because the characters are always in movement. They are rarely ever standing still or But they're any... not well drawn. They're not they're not shadowed. They're not they're everything's everything's single color. There's no shading. Nope. Everything looks as if like it came from MS Paint. Yeah. You know. So again, even just playing this game is just, you know, absolutely horrible. And there's actually been fan projects at the end of the day. The, with the intention of going back in and fixing the actual animation. To actually, you know, take the original character designs and actually make, you know, decent animations out of it here. So they made uh, three games at the end of the day here. That's awful. Oh, I know, right? So they made three games. They made uh, Link, The Faces of Evil, 
uh, Zelda The Wand of Gamelon, and then Zelda's Adventure. So you could play as Zelda for the first time in these games. Whether you wanted to or not was a completely different matter. Um, but you could do it. But you could. Um, and again, these games are just uniformly just the worst games of all time. They are just atrocious to play. Um, the other little bit of Zelda... You know, now again, you mentioned why isn't there a movie of, of, of uh, Zelda, Zelda. Yeah. Because again, it's, it's very easy to take any one of the games here, especially Ocarina of Time, and make a, game, and make a movie out of that. You know, there there is plenty of material there to make a movie or even to just make, you know, a Game of Thrones style, you know, miniseries out of it. You know? Yeah. Six episodes. Very yeah. easy to kind of just knock out right away and you could make Bonzo box off it at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, well, part of the problem here is that um, when they made the first Mario movie, mm-hmm. um... Nintendo was not exactly happy with that with the with the U.S. Why? Okay, I, I thought that was kind of a kind of a hit. So the first Super Mario movie is um, bombed really badly, but mostly oh. because there's a lot of a lot of blame to go around. Well, there's a lot of problems with the original Mario movie. Here was just that um, they initially had different kind of directors that were on that were pitched in the movie here at the end of the day. Um, the initial director ended up pulling out for a different project and the only other people they could, the only other, um, directors that they were able to get on hand here. Cause again, they basically made a script that Nintendo was like, okay, yeah, well, let's do that. You know, that, mm-hmm. that sounds good enough for us. And it was the last, there was the very last chance they had at that too. Um, but these new directors came in who are primarily well known for making music videos, not actual movies. Everybody um, thinks that thinks that a video, a music video, is going to translate to to a movie, and it doesn't. You can go, I think, from movies to music videos, but you can't go to, from music videos to movies. I actually would disagree. I think you can make. I think you can cut your teeth on music videos, um, especially in the sense of having to do production and having to get stuff lined up and working mm-hmm. with stuff at the end of the day. It's just that when you scale it up to a movie, you're not. You have to be far more cognizant of what you're doing. You know, there's it's just a movie requires somebody's attention for hours as mm-hmm. opposed to minutes, and yes. and I think in the in in terms of of how you accomplish that, they're very because a video is pretty hard hitting. Yeah, no, again, a music video is really meant to keep your attention for the four to five minutes that's going, unless for whatever reason you're Michael Jackson, you're making like these eight minute long videos. But even then, I mean, like, you know, if, if Thriller comes on on TV, guess mm-hmm. what? Guess what I'm watching. I'm watching Thriller. Yeah. You know, I'm watching that here at the end of, at the very end of the day here, especially in some of those, you know, music videos have really kind of interesting narrative stories that are being told as well. Oh, even Bill, even Billie Jean. I mean, yeah. But again, I think at the end of the day here, and I, and I don't disagree with you at the end of the day here, is that it's a lot more difficult to go from a music video to a full feature length movie, especially if you haven't done it before or you're, and you're working with what is, a really well-known title at the end of the day versus, you know, going from, you know, a movie down to a music video here at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, famously here, um, um, 
Oh, who's the director of The Godfather here at the end of the day? Coppola. Coppola. He did, uh, he was actually the director for for Captain EO, which was the Michael Jackson, uh, Walt Disney 3D movie picture as well. You know? And, yeah. And that, and that, again, when you look at it from that way, that's interesting that that even exists. Um, but again, the Super Mario movie at the end of the day is atrocious. I, I if anything, it's worth a watch just to watch, just to laugh at it because there's nothing in there that's there's very very little stuff that's ever that's actually even Mario related here. Outside of Mario and Luigi being in there, there are occasional mentions to mushrooms, to you know other characters like Toad and Bowser, but like nobody in that movie looks similar to anything on there. Um, these two directors that came in, that came in for music videos, completely shuddered and changed the script at the end of the day and the, sc- and the entire screenplay. And it got to the point here where the actors would never were not learning their lines at all because their lines would change. No, you know, yeah, no point within within a day. You know, within you know within the next day here in some cases. Um, you know, Bob Hoskins, which you know is great character. Fresh, actor. fresh off of Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Fresh off of Roger Rabbit, you know, has played all these great characters, great character actors. He made a point, you know, he actually broke his arm, it broke his hand midway through filming here and kept filming with it, but made a point of saying, you know, like, yeah, that was the worst movie I've ever made and the worst experience making a movie. Um, John Leguizamo, who is, again, a really great, you know, character actor at the end of the day, that was one of it, that was his first feature film at the end of the day. That he was also a star in, um, you know, nobody came out of that movie, you know, even closely looking like a bed of roses. And Nintendo basically saw that movie was just like, this is not what we agreed upon. We are never doing this ever again, and have been very, very kind of tight lipped with you know letting anybody do anything with their franchises anymore. Um, I, I think the exception obviously is Pokemon, where they didn't own. Um, the company that made Pokemon until until almost like a year after it came out. Well, and that movie's actually pretty good, but it's not a Pokemon game. No, nobody's really collecting. So Detective Pikachu at the end yeah. of the day here is the one we're talking about. But, but yeah, but I think at that point here, Pokemon's been around long enough that you know if you were to make a movie, Detective Pikachu was the movie you were going to make. I think you know that it was different enough from the normal Pokemon stuff here, but, like, I really do think that it really does capture the spirit of Pokemon at the end of the day. You know, I think it re- I think it really does, you know, speak to the heart of those games where, yeah, you're not collecting anything, but, you know, these Pokemon are your friends. They're supposed to be your pals. Yeah, yeah, no, no, and, and, and it portrays Pokemon in a very positive light. Um, and so, actually... You know, it's, it's, a, it's a beloved sort of... Sort of franchise at this point. Yeah, but it, and, and it's a beloved look at Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it's that was a movie in which you clearly you saw like you know no 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 these were people who really did cherish and believe in Pokemon at the end of the day and really wanted to make a Pokemon movie that, that spoke to Pokemon fans yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and most recently here, Nintendo's actually licensed um, a Mario to the people that make uh, the Minions movies. Oh, now that would be interesting. Yeah, so they're going to make a new, so they're going to make a 3D Mario movie here within the next year or two. Uh, and they've actually recently in Japan they've, they've added a to Universal Studios. Uh, apparently, they added a Mario Land to it. 
Really? Yes. So there's an actual walkabout that you can go through that's all Mario-based. So, again, I, I fully believe at the end of the day that there is a Zelda movie out there. Um, that would knock everybody's socks off easily. It's, I think, Nintendo really being gatekeepers of their franchises and really caring about what their franchises are and, and, and what they have at the end of the day um, that is limiting that. And again, if you... And, do... and, 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 and with, with, with reason. Yeah. I mean, like, they, they keep their, their properties very well tightly guarded. I mean, these Zelda games do not come out you know, year after year after year. And so whenever they do come out, they're almost, you know, universally acclaimed because they've had so much time to iterate and work on them and they've polished them to this, you know, perfect, you know, mirror finish at the end of the day. You know, this is, you know, this is not like other game companies where you have like Assassin's Creed at the end of the day, which was coming out with like yearly installments, but also just crushing their workforce in these games were just not iterating on any sort of level that everyone playing these games are all just like blah this is not you know this isn't yeah, interesting it was it isn't worthy it's it's not it's not worth continuing here at the end of the day. now yeah. they've spaced out you know when they release games now so now it's every you know two to three years now and those games have been a lot better at the end of the day as a result you know they're a lot more better they're a lot more better better for mechanics better for gameplay better stories at the end of the day and so they've it bore out, you know. It does bore out that people will buy these games if you spend time to make them. If you spend time, if you spend quality time on them at, on them at the end of the day. Which brings out a quick point. I, mean, uh, you know, the, you know, I view gaming studios as sort of mills, and and yet games don't tend to be buggy. Not intentionally, no. Well, okay, nobody intentions intentions bugginess, but. Um, but I mean, you don't really. I don't. I don't associate uh, games with being being buggy, and and I know that my software updates, you know, every every so often, but it isn't um, a, f- a frequent occurrence. No, and and, I think and, that, and you and, and in the old days they couldn't even. Well, on well, on a lot of the older days here, um, you would have the same kind of quality assurance testing that you got done at the end of the day. Um, I mean, I remember. Um, spending a day with the people that were making this new Pac-Man adventure game. Yeah, because you did you did that as a kid. Yeah, I, I went and played that for a day, and I think we're in Silicon Valley. Yeah, and, and Namco's here. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I and I remember being I remember being there for that, and just being like, "Wow, this is really cool!" And I get to try all this stuff here, and and I think they were more or less. I don't think they were trying to gauge me to. Uh, Check for bugs or anything at the end of the day because QA testing is very rough, is very kind oh, of Well, you've grindy. done that too. Yeah, that's yeah. very, very grindy. Um, oh God, I I shot a rocket at every single wall in the game. Yeah. And not just like, you know, a portion of the wall. I shot it, you know, like for All every, over the wall. Huh? Every single, every single possible pixel on a wall for weeks. For like a full like two weeks. Yeah, you know, you talk to people who think, "Oh, I'd like to be a, a game tester." Oh no, my son did that, and it wasn't fun. Mm-mm. No, so. no, 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 no. Not it's it, okay. It's rather, it's not that it's not fun. It's just that you think it's you're gonna, work. It, it's work, and you think you're going to go in there playing a game, thinking that like you're going to be playing. You know, you're going to be going in there like, "Nah, man, you should make. You know, you should move this. You know, 
wall over here is a little bit because it's going to make this more fun or something. You're like, that's not what you're doing. A lot of what you're doing is making sure that, you know, when you are playing, you know, when you're playing Link here at the end of the day, that you don't fall through the ground, you know. Well, that, and that things properly go splat. Yeah, things properly go splat that, you know, that somehow whatever you're doing in the game here, you know, that like doesn't just randomly happen to you. Like this one beam of laser, even though you did deflect it or dodge it at the end of the day, doesn't just automatically kill you randomly because you were like five feet away from it. Because you were in the proximity. Yeah. yeah you know, it's stuff like that here at the end of the day that you, that, that really is what the, the gamer, the, the makers of these games intended for the, for that to actually happen. You're there making sure that it actually does do that. Yeah. Um, so there's the way it's supposed to. So there's one last piece of Zelda content that I want to show you. Okay. Um, that is a hall is a cherish of mine, if only because it exists in a semi vacuum. So go back to 1988, 1989. Mm-hmm. The the Super Mario Super Show. Oh. And okay. so what and what this was was. Pro wrestler Lou Banna as Mario in live action, and they narrated. Um, and what they did is they would narrate stuff happening in their plumber shop at the end of the day with another guy named Luigi. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, unfortunately. Um, but what they would do here is that they would play a Super Mario cartoon. And at the time, Super Mario 3 had just come out. And so um, it was primarily based off of Super Mario 3 and eventually Super Mario World later on. Mm-hmm. But you would have these cartoons that would play on Monday through Thursday. And then when you got to Friday, you got a Zelda cartoon. And How so, come I vaguely remember this? Um, because I would wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning to watch it before everyone else got up. Yep, that, that's why I would vaguely remember this. So this one I can play, so I'm going to play the intro to the cartoon series here. Because <laughs> it's so great. Link is brunette. Mm-hmm. Okay, who is the fairy? So, so, um, so yeah, so... The fairy is just a fairy. I believe it, it, if memory serves me correctly, the fairy's name is uh, Slef or something like that here at the end of the day. It's just a fairy. And, and again, now mind you, this cartoon, when it came out in 1988 and 89, was created by masterful animators of Deke. You know, well-known for a lot of cartoon series from... Well, I mean, that's not, I mean, that's not every Blade of Grass movie. That, that is pretty cheaply done. Oh, no, no, again... For the 1980s, for for TV of the 1980s, oh yes, very cheaply done. You know, I'm not saying this is you know a masterful piece it's, of work. It's, it's fun though. Oh yeah, no, but again, um, it's 
again, you got to watch Zelda. You got to watch the you know, you know, Legend of Zelda cartoon on on only Fridays. on Fridays. Only on Fridays, and so it was a big. Now, deal. were there were there other other uh, games on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? So primarily, originally started with. Um, Mario. With Mario on Monday through Thursday, and then eventually you got Link on Friday. You got Zelda on Friday. And then they switched over to Captain N, the Game Master, which was basically a very, very, very early version of a Japanese isekai. Which was isekai, which is basically they teleported to another world. So uh, this kid who's wearing a jacket that just happens to have an N on a letter, a letterman's jacket that has an N on it, which happens to just be his school's um, logo at the end of the day, mm-hmm. or is the name of his school at the end of the day, is transported into his Super Nintendo where he gets to interact with um, other Nintendo games at the time. So I believe there was Kid Icarus, Mega Man, um, Simon Belmont from Castlevania, um, and then there was a princess character as well um, that was kind of like the overlord of that. And so what the big deal with Captain N was he was the game master. And he had a the Nintendo light gun, which was his blaster that you could shoot stuff with. But he also had a belt buckle, which was a Nintendo controller that he could press buttons on to do stuff. Like if he pressed uh, the jump button, he would jump up higher than everybody else in some cases or... He could select different stuff. And they had their own wacky little adventures dealing with other uh, bad guys at the end of the day. And they even had a crossover with uh, the adventures of uh, 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 Legend of Zelda here at the end of the day, where the two, Link and Captain N, got to interact with one another, which was a great episode, too. Yeah, it makes makes sense that you do that, because if Mm -hmm. you have a Captain... Captain N, you know, he's more of a humanized-looking character versus the... Mario and Luigi are very much more of their, you know, cartoony look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, you'd have Captain N on Monday through Thursday, and then you'd have Zelda on the weekends, or on on Friday. And the intention there is that, again, there might be 14-some-on episodes, but you would take, you know, months to ever watch it, to see all of them, so you'd have to, like, watch for, like, months to be able to actually get there at that point. You know, much the same way some Saturday morning cartoons, which you only saw once... A Saturday here, you know, for them to repeat their 26 episode library here, you'd have to wait six months to be able to see that episode again. again. Yeah, you know, so it really was, you know, always got to watch on, always got to watch on Saturday to see, you know, what the next episode is. Yeah, you know, thus was the power of Saturday morning cartoons. Um, again, for me, at the end of the day, if they ever make a Zelda, if they ever make a Zelda, you know, movie at the end of the day, or even a TV series. At some point, Link is going to have to say, you know, well, excuse me, princess, because that was his catchphrase in the TV show, that they would literally call out and claim, you know, easily every couple, every, like, you know, at least two to three times every episode. Well, and that seems so funny because the, the uh, Link that that I have seems very... Um, Quiet. Yeah. So, he, so the thing with... Not assertive. Um, not necessarily not assertive here, but um, and this is the case with uh, the next character that we're gonna have that we're gonna play it, the the next major video game that we'll play, which is the Metroid here as well. Uh, in that the main title character of Samus, you never get to hear them talking at all, and you never actually get to hear Link talk either, because the intention from the game creators was that 
we don't want them to, you don't want to hear them talking or we don't want you to hear them talking. Because we think you have a different voice in your head or a different way. Oh, they sort sound. of like having your your char- your book characters brought to life. Yeah, you know, like very you know. few things do that well. Um, I was really pleased with um, the you know the Lord of the Rings series because they actually did do that well. Yeah, I mean, those characters, those characters that are in the book, you know, when they leap onto the to the TV, to the movie screen here, they're like. Man, that's Legolas right there, and that's Gimli, and you know, that's you know, yeah, you know, those are those characters. Those literally jumped out really, really well. Um, that doesn't always happen. Now, again, if you go to um, Harry Potter here as a great example, the voices that come out of the char- you know, when the one person's doing all the voices for the characters in the audio version, sounds nothing like what the movie did at the end of the day either. And there's a lot of people who would claim that you know the movies don't are not good representations of that either. Now, they had a version where Samus did talk one time. It was, an, it was and again, a game not made by Nintendo, but made with the authorization of Nintendo. Right. And everyone hated that version of Samus. That character was rightfully, you know, like, everyone was like, where is this, you know, strong, assertive person at the end of the day? You know, where the hell is that person? So, so and, and I'll give you my favorite example of that. Um, was um, when I was in college and I was in Paris, I went to um, the movies and I went and saw um, a Clint Eastwood movie. I was Play Misty for me. Um, just for a touch of home. Mm-hmm. And they had um, sub, they had, had done it in French. Mm-hmm. And the voice that came out of Clint Eastwood, I literally laughed. That does this, that's oh gosh! Right. Yeah. No, and mind you, I've done that a numerous times with Japanese animation here as well. Um, I can actually name you the series that made me do it out loud. Was um, there's a Japanese animation called Kaleidostar, um, which is basically the Circus Soleil of Japanese animation. Really? Where, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. It's literally, it's the stage in San Francisco where. You kind of, you know, where there are trapeze artists, there are people on bouncing mats, there are all these different, you know, acrobatic performers at the end of the day telling this weird, elaborate stories at the end of the day. And it's very Circus Soleil at the end of the day, really is. Um, and the stories about this young girl from Japan who moves to San Francisco to be a part of this Kaleidostar stage at the end of the day um, and barely makes it in by the skin of her teeth and all of her little adventures being the Cirque du Soleil performer at the end of the, at the end of the day, essentially, um, you listen to the original Japanese. Now, I know that the series was primarily not aimed at teenagers or adults. It was aimed more at children at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But oh, and it, does that explain the voice choice? No, it it might explain the voice choice here, but so much is just that, like you hear that, like. Now, not as a person that's not a native Japanese speaker at the end of the day, you can still kind of hear what's being said at the end of the day and kind of understand the inflections and things going on there at the end of the day. That Like the character saying it or not in a very goofy or, you know, they're saying, you know, like, oh, man, where is this? Where is this shop at? I, I'm just looking everywhere for it. And where, is, you know, like yeah. they say it with like enough sense that it's just like, yeah, it could be a real person at the end of the day looking for it here. You heard the, I heard the Japanese, or the English language version of it, and nearly fell out of my chair laughing. 
because the person who is supposed to be the star of the sh- series at the end of the day sounds like she came off of a, you know, it's just the most cartoony, you know, dumbfounding sort of voice where you're just like, were you even trying? Yeah. You know, and, 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 and again, for what was early 2000s Japanese animation dubbing at the end of the day, where the literal company that was doing it called ADV um, at that point here literally was pumping out stuff as quick as they could get it here, especially in the English dubbing, you know, that they never actually spent the time and quality on it. Yeah. So, like, it's weird in the sense that, you know, like, the total dissonance of it was just like, ugh. You know, there's another great show called um, Code Geass, which is one of my favorite shows. Uh, And you hear the Japanese voice actor that plays uh, the main title character of Lelouch. And I don't know if the Japanese have an equivalent to a British uh, accent. This was a British accent in Japanese. Like... It's, there might be. I mean, I, I, I mean, the, you know, look at the United States and all the accents you have. Mm-hmm. Well, no, but again, I mean, like, there's, it's this character sounds, you know, so confident and so arrogant sounding, but like such a commanding sort of tone at the end of the day, that when it got translated by uh, a guy who again started off as a Power Ranger, and then became a predominant voice actor named Johnny Young Bosch. Um, did it, who, again... I which, think, which Power Ranger was he? He was the second Black Ranger. Oh, okay. Um, so he was the uh, token Asian person of the ca- Asian person of the cast. No offense to him, but... Um, yeah. But that's how they did it in Power... That's how they do it in Power Rangers. Um, there is a Black person, there is at least two white people, there is an Asian person, and then there is a uh, other person... Other other minority or some some of the Hispanic or something. Yeah, there's always at least two girls as well. Yep. You know, um, but uh, but you hear him do it, and he you know he usually kind of, yellow and pink. Yeah, a yellow and pink or the light blue or usually nothing. None of the one of the more darker, you know, more commandingish looking colors. Um, actually, I have an idea for a Power Rangers version that the it's only three Rangers. It's a blue, green, and red Rangers, mm-hmm. and. The blue one's technically the leader, but the but has to give powers to this one girl who's actually the Red Ranger, and she's actually the hero of the entire series, not this generic you know guy at the end of the day. No, it's this girl that's actually the leader at the end of the day, but she's also the least knowledgeable about all the stuff happening. So she freaks out a lot, but eventually gets more courageous and brave at the end of the day when necessary. Builds the skill set. Yeah, you know, and I, I think it would just be interesting to have uh, predominantly like. A female-led ranger team that is actually led by a female and not like, oh, the female's the leader, but the, actually it's this guy that's the, actually the hero of the, show, yeah. of the story. Yeah. You know. Um, but, no, but going back to Kogias here, like I heard the dissonance between the, the voices here at the end of the day thinking like, oh, man, he's getting, he, he, you know, it's not, it's not that he does a bad job at the end of the day. He does a very good job of an English version of it. It's just that, I hear the Japanese version. I'm just like, that's not that's not my Lelouch. That's not my guy at the end of the day. So, um, I think that comes up with Zelda. He, if Zelda and, and Samus here at the end of the day, again, when we heard Samus talk, you know, that's a person who we've known for a long period of time. That is this very strong, commanding person at the end of the day. But to hear them, you know, in a worried sort of tone, or even just sort of a um, 
sort of uh, even just to read dialogue that doesn't make them sound as this commanding badass bounty hunter that we know them to be you know seems weird and that's one of the things you'll find in these in the Zelda and Metroid games here is that the protagonist doesn't even actually get dialogue at all they are a silent protagonist there's no there's not even there's no dialogue that comes out of their mouth and as far as hearing you don't even get dialogue in the way that they talk at all yeah, which I think is interesting because in Breath of the Wild here you get flashbacks, and if Link is and the flashbacks at, are are very very dialogue based. Yeah, yeah, very dialogue based. With, with but with Link never talking at the end of the day, I think you could have had Link talking and just not talk anymore now, and still you know do it. Been okay. Yeah, I think yeah. you might have been okay still, uh, but I understand Nintendo's intentions at the end of the day to make this a character that you can imprint your own thoughts and beliefs onto. Well, and, and maybe that's the way it becomes empathetic as opposed to it looking like or having choices. Yeah, I think so, too. So we're going to post all of our notes here as well as the videos for uh, the really, really horrible animation from uh, the CDI uh, version of the Zelda games as well as uh, a couple of the episodes from the... Zelda cartoon series on our podcast on our website at the nerdtutorialpodcast.com where you can find all of our previous shows and all of the show notes that go that accompany these episodes. We're also going to put um, we're also going to continue the conversation as well at our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast. All is one word. And then if you have any ideas, suggestions, or future topics that you might want to that we might want to tackle here at the end of the day, you can drop us a line at nerd underscore tutorial on Twitter. And we also follow all of our old topics there as well. So if you want to see new stuff coming out on different items here at the end of the day, you know, you could go there too. Uh, but on behalf of my mom and my, on behalf of myself and my mom, we do hope that you still stay safe out there in these weird times. And we'll see you guys again next time. Bye. Bye.